Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is episode 135 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. I just got done drinking a cup of Couchtown Coffee. It's my favorite coffee, and I bet if you try it out, it might be one of your favorite coffees, too. One of the best parts about Couchtown Coffee is all of the coffee that's roasted there is roasted specifically for the order. So if you make an order, they're roasting coffee for you. Not just for everybody and then hoping they sell it. No, they're roasting it fresh specifically for you. Then they'll ship it to your house. And then you can just grind it up and drink it at your leisure. Go to CouchTownCoffee.com. Find a coffee you like. Make an order and let them know Audible Farm sent you when you make your order. And they will give you 20% off. It's that easy. It's that easy. And uh, why are they giving you 20% off? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. They support music and uh, so do we. So check them out. CouchTownCoffee.com. This episode, I'm sitting down with James Tyler of Late Street. Uh, James and I sat down, we sat and talked for a little bit. Uh, on the beginning of this one, I actually ended up kind of biffing how I was recording this. We missed a couple minutes of the first part of this. So we restarted it, and uh, I think we did pretty good. If you're looking for the missing couple minutes, I might throw them on the Patreon page. So check that out. But one of the cool parts about this episode is we talk about all sorts of cool stuff that James has been doing. He's been working really hard um, with Late Street and everything else that he's got going on. Scroll down below and check out the links. Another cool part about this episode is that Ethan Kane was sitting off camera for a while, and then we're like, get over here and talk. So he kind of sits in and, and kind of gives us a little bit of his thoughts on some certain things that we talk about, too. So it's really cool. This is uh, James Tyler with Ethan Kane, both of Late Street Music. So check it out, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode because I had a blast talking to these guys. It's the Audible Farm Podcast, with your host, Peter Stockdale. But I'm sitting down with James Tyler. Holy cow, I, don't, I almost don't want to go over all this again, but you're a rapper. We just, we discussed that. Maybe not rapper, maybe hip-hop artist, but you're, you know, you wear many hats. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's go back in time here. Uh, back in time, you, you played music. Quick uh, recap, yeah. So with, with instruments, not necessarily just being a hip-hop artist. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming from coming from the, the, the bands back in the teenage days, coming from ADHD, the... Um, the skull did. There's the young bands playing teenagers. Uh, that's definitely where it all stemmed from, and it's where all my friends come from. Why I got into rap is anybody's guess. It doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. But here I am, and I, and I grew up playing all the all the punk shows as a rapper, and probably got laughed at at the very beginning, you know, for a long time. Uh, and it's you know to go back to sitting around all these instruments. The other half of Late Street, Ethan Kane. Uh, this is his primary studio, Nonchalant Studios, and we each function out of our own, but primarily here. And I, I do more of the production. I'm over here on the boards and the engineering, and he's over here really, really playing the music. And that's why I don't call myself a musician, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, I mean, don't sell yourself short, though. I mean, you're still doing stuff. And that's that's something else when you said you're, like, over here on the boards doing stuff. I mean, like, you got a, a MIDI keyboard over here. So you're doing something yeah, with, we with got, music we, stuff. We got the MPD beat pad. Uh, we got the synthesizer. And, and don't be wrong, you know, I dabble into it, and I definitely whip up some beats. Do every single one of them get used? Are they all worth it? Yeah, probably not. But when it comes to you know recording all of this into the interface and into the computer, into the programs, that's where I come in and really nice. polish it all off and get it sounding clean. Yeah, maybe I should uh, hit you up about doing some of that because I got I got some like basic you know home studio setup type stuff. Uh, maybe not as extensive as this. May maybe. 
Maybe, I mean, you know, a lot of my stuff's just kind of sitting in corners right now because I don't know what to do with it. And, and the thing is, we may showcase it in a certain sense, you know, because we, we bring people here to record as well. But at the end of the day, these days, you need, what, a two-channel interface, yeah. an instrument at a time, and a computer is all <laughs> yeah, you need, you, you know? a laptop and then, like, a $100 interface that goes USB in yep. and a microphone. And You're good to go. You're good to go. Yeah, and I'm glad we gave a shout-out to Ethan again, too, because uh, once again, uh, you know, I've played shows with him. With Jared Hart playing drums, yeah. uh, Pawn Shop Kids, we discussed that a little bit earlier too. So, uh, you know, shout out to those guys. I've played with Jared on a lot of different shows, Americature and things like that. You know, I'm in a punk band called Three Finger Betty, so we would we yeah. would occasionally, you know, share the stage at different places. We've even played up here in Fort Dodge with them once, um, and the Pawn Shop Kids were even there. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, to go on Jared for just a second here, uh, just to give a big shout out because no, I mean for since I was 12 years old, he's been putting on shows, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, put me on for my first time, gave me my first show to see and continues to do so for the, the band community that it still exists around here, you know, and if it wasn't for people like him, there wouldn't be a lot of shows going on as far as speaking locally, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I mean, the other cool thing about that is he recent. I think he recently moved, so he's not even like in the area, but he still comes up here and puts on yeah. shows, which is puts in the work. It's killer, you know. Yeah, shout out, absolutely. Shout out Jared, but uh, shout out Jared. <laughs> oh man. So I mean, that's another cool thing I think about that is like you guys got a lot of places up here to try to play shows. You know, at least even for younger people, like we discussed, uh, the Eagles Club. You could go up to the third floor there and play, and it's and it's okay, you know. But like up in Humboldt, it's like, well, you want to go to this bar or that bar, and they're like, we don't want kids in here, so don't exactly. You know, you're not coming they're, in. They're here. very picky on on who who they're performing for and who they're choosing to do that with. Um, no, and you're right. Fort Dodge has had a few, but it's it's kind of a hit or miss because, you know, like you say, the Eagles and even on the second floor of that, which a lot of people didn't know about, which is Spanky's. Yep. I don't know what they call it now, but. I don't know. It changes so much. So much, right? So, you know, and there's been those hole-in-the-wall kind of venues where we've kind of clicked up and our group of friends have created this, this community. But beyond that is really what is a challenge for Fort Dodge. Fort Dodge, Fort Frenzy, you know, we're getting, we'll get there and we're starting to do shows in kind of a different lane. But until Fort Frenzy, there really wasn't a big place to showcase a whole lot of uh, music acts besides those venues, you know. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and the struggle was, I call it a hole-in-the-wall place to kind of iterate on that or, you know, explain on that is it was hard to get people to come there, let alone most people don't even know about the second floor or yep. even the third floor, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So when, when they hear about this this address, they go there and they're like, well, this is the bingo spot where, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they don't know. So that's that's what's always been difficult at Fort Dodge is finding a place that is front and center. It's easy, easily accessible and gives uh, a backing, you know, a community backing that says it's more than just some hoodlums playing music that come from garage bands. You know what yep. I mean? Nothing against hoodlums playing music from garage Absolutely bands. Absolutely not. That's what yeah. we all yeah, that's started we, with, that's you where know. We cut yeah. our teeth, you know. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing. Let's uh, like keep going on the on the Spankies or the Eagles Club type deal. I mean, like when I was a teenager, I used to go up there and they'd have jam nights on the second floor. And then I remember getting a little bit older. I'm like, man, when are those jam nights there? And they're like, oh, we don't have those anymore. We don't have them like anymore. They, yeah. they they quit doing those years ago. And it's like, oh man, like. I guess times change, you know, and then somebody's like, we're playing a concert, at, you know, up at the Eagles Club. I'm like, sweet, it's the second floor. That place is going to be packed. And they're like, no, third floor. I'm third like, floor. I, I didn't yeah. even know they had a third floor, you know. Yep, yep. And you go up there and you're like, this place is sweet. And I those who know about the third don't know about the second. Yeah. <laughs> you just hop in the elevator and go all the way up and call it good or whatever. But, yeah, you know, that's one of those things. I like to think about that here, you know, like 
also just doing those like renegade style, like just throwing it together style shows. There's a lot of support that comes out of this area. Not just, you know, there's a lot of crossover between like the punk guys, the hip hop guys, the country guys, the folk singers, the singer songwriters. Everybody I mean, kind of supports each other. Oh, for we, the most oh, part absolutely. And that's and that's a big point with uh, Fort Dodge that makes it so special. Is not only is there so much raw talent, not only for Fort Dodge but surrounding areas, there's so much raw talent coming from the area. And and like you said, we all support each other and we all kind of intertwine whether it's a collaboration or doing shows together or just getting together on a Tuesday night and jamming, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the beauty of it is, is that community has been there for 10 plus years now, same people inside of it. And I think now more than ever, we all are just kind of trying, we're all finally understanding how to really market it, make it make sense and, and bring it to the community in a, in a full fledged way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's exciting. It's just as much like, I mean, the support thing should never get undersold up here. I'm always blown away by how much everybody supports each other up here, how much they're willing to be like, oh, yeah, you can come over on our show and play something on our show. Or, you know, like you said, you, you could be a hip hop guy playing, opening up on a punk show. Nobody, you know, Absolutely, nobody's going to yeah. sit there and judge you for it, you know, and it's. I mean, it, well, I'm not trying to pick on any other scenes, but I, I've definitely dabbled in a lot of different areas and a lot of different scenes around Iowa, and they're not all this positive. I will definitely come out and say that. Yeah, no, and you're yeah. right. I've, I've I've seen the the other end of the spectrum, like you said, and I've, I've seen communities that kind of make you realize, oh, we could do more. Uh, yeah, you know? 100%. You, you know, absolutely. It goes both ways. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I think Fort Dodge does get undersold more than it really the credit is deserved to be there, you know. It's starting to get put on the map, though. There's a lot of guys from Des Moines area and down south, and you know, in southeastern Iowa and stuff that are starting to come up here and play at places like, you know, Sneakers or something like that, or, right. you know, River Hops and things like that. Especially- and I think it's people like you and Jesse Wilson and that and Clint and all them who are really kind of giving that envelope uh, a new, or excuse me, giving that platform in existence with, with places like Sneakers and with the places like, uh, well, Fourth Depot is not existent anymore, but... Um, I mean, help me out here. Give me some of these knuckleheads. I know bring them out quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you got Shiny Top, River Hops. Yeah. I mean, you can go over the junkyard in Barnum. We're talking Byron's over in Pomeroy. We can just I mean, we can keep naming names if you want. Exactly, uh, yeah. Uh, Timbuk Brew and Clarion. I mean, there's a lot of places up north here that people are starting to find that, like, oh, we can come up here and play. And, these, and not only just play, but these places are, A, thankful to have music, B, have people that will come watch you play and music. enjoy it. And, and they'll even pay you to do it, which is yeah. which is sometimes a rarity, depending <laughs> on where you decide to play music. These days, yeah. 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 I'm not trying to, once again, not trying to call any venues out, but it's right. getting paid for to play music is not always a thing that happens. And uh, I have time they're trying to get you to pay to play. Yeah, yeah. Is, and, it's, you know, it's, it's a different game out here now. It's a different game. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to change. The pay to play is going away. There's not a whole lot of people willing to do it anymore. And uh, yeah. the only way to capitalize on that was pretty much to have merch to make it up on the back end hopefully right you know? well and, you know in a little bit of rubbing the back yeah the, to the artists you know what i'm saying yeah but you know it's it you're right though i do see it i do see it changing i do see it kind of coming back to um the entertainment being about the entertainers yep you know yeah i mean that's and there's nothing against the pay-to-play stuff i've played a lot of them some of them are super packed and everyone's just like oh man we love your band and all of a sudden your band like page you know spikes 100 people and you're like oh well it was kind of worth it for the exposure exactly. you paid the couple hundred for the exposure yeah. and that's typically i think how they that's the sales pitch behind it yeah all in all you yeah know? I mean, but once again you got to be able to capitalize on that we've i've played at shows too where people are just like dude i want to buy your cd it's like don't got one it's like well i want to buy a shirt don't don't got one it's like well we missed out on that one you know See, like and that, that's but that's that's where you blame the artist you kind of gotta you know if you're gonna go and start doing shows you, you gotta know give them something you know you're, you're showcasing yourself give them something to take home with them yeah and if you ain't got that then i guess go showcase but but give them some social medias to go find you at, yeah, at least, you know? exactly yeah i mean you heck I've, I've even spent time in bands where it's just like we got a facebook page and that's it and it's like well that's 
you know that's know. that's not enough anymore nowadays who's going to facebook they're going to spotify they're going to apple music they're yep. that's you, where they YouTube, want to see you they, tiktok instagram i mean yep. twitter's dead but even even twitter i still find a lot of people still interact with us on twitter twitter's, believe it or not. twitter's bigger than we think it is is how i feel being out here in the midwest and and how we utilize social media locally and and, and through our peers and through our outreach Midwest just really isn't about Twitter, you know. No, no. It's just it's a it's a weird thing. Okay, here's I'm gonna let out a secret here. So if you guys are looking, I want to get on a I want to get on Spotify playlist, but I don't want to pay someone to get on Spotify playlist. Hunt through Twitter. There's plenty of people that say send me your stuff, and they'll throw your stuff on there for a week, I mean, two weeks, can, or whatever. That's that's like the low low down and dirty groundwork of yep. it. There's places now like Submit Hub where yep. where you're pretty much taking everyone who's on Twitter as curators and creators and, and you know, they got blog- vloggers and bloggers and all this and they're putting it all in one spot, yep. all in one hub for you to just to kind of, you know, pay $3 a submission kind of thing and, and, and it's, you know, same thing pretty mm-hmm. much but it kind of lim- it brings it all into one category for yeah. you. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, like, I guess you can pay for that. I know a lot of people who do the pay to, you know, pay to jump on playlists and it seems to work. I mean, Well, it's not a pay to jump on playlists. It's more or less a pay to almost get this, this, uh, cure, this, this, playlist curator or the creator to even open your email more or less it's like hey i paid three dollars compared to the guy who pays one and it's like this token kind of thing submit him look into it you know yeah it's one of those things but you're if i had a pencil i'd be writing that down right right, you know and with twitter is one of those things where you're going to get more organic yeah uh, interaction and networking when you reach out like that yeah as long as you're not spamming them hey check out my shit right away you know our stuff yeah that is true i mean i actually have done the spam thing on twitter before because sometimes i'll be like well i'm just gonna like just message like 10 people or just post on 10 people's posts or something and one guy was just like dude you've been posting on people's stuff that's like all you do is you just reply to people's stuff and it's like yeah you caught me you caught me but uh you know so i mean there is a little bit of tit for tat on some of that i mean marketing these days in general i'll tell you what that's something i've took upon myself to uh, study and learn for the past six months uh to a year honestly and really indulged in it and realized you know i've been doing it all wrong for 10 years to be honest with you you know and and once you start learning that it's even once you learn all these these points and these hints you know not hints but these kind of free game it's still a fine line between what is what they call spamming yeah and and what's what's over the line and what's too much and what's not enough that line i think differs with each artist and each goal you know what i mean because there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I mean, Mike Schulte actually did a really good interview. Well, and I would say an interview. He did a solo podcast on the Iowa Music Podcast. If you've never heard of it, I'd suggest checking it out. But it was awesome. So what he did was he uh, tested it out, and he was just like, I'm going to post every other day for a month, and we'll see how much interaction I get. And then we'll post twice a day and see how much I get. Yeah. And posting twice a day yielded him like 20 times more exposure. I mean, it was it's like you think you're spamming people, but what you don't realize is a lot of that crap just gets lost in the shuffle on what, social media because so many people are posting so much yeah, no. absolutely right. And that's what I learned the most about was algorithms and how, and how you target your demographic and how you promote it. So, so I mean, if you're going to Instagram or Facebook, you have to realize as soon as you pull a link into the into the mix, like a YouTube link, mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram, they will put that to the bottom of the algorithm because it's their <laughs> it's their it's their opposing company, right? Yeah. So those yeah. kind of things is people don't really realize, and that's the kind of free game I'm talking about. Is once you learn those little things, okay, well now I I'll make a post with a picture. It's describing what I got going on, and if anything, I'll boost it so I can put the .com or the YouTube link in a learn more button that yep. Facebook offers me, so they get their 
their little yeah. feelings good on it, you know, and yeah. then or otherwise put it in the comments, you know, in put the your comments, link in the comments. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. Yeah. Dude, hundred percent. I mean, even if you just say YouTube, like in a post, it's already boom. They push it to the bottom. Uh, I've even found out that you can't even say capital Y, capital T, because they're figuring out people are really trying to work around yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I saw Mike Schulte do was he would say on another platform, we have this or, yeah, or on the other place you can find this. And then, like you said, he'll just put a thumbnail down there. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, it's kind of a perfect segue is, I mean, that's why we're going into the website, deuceblockclothing.com, uh, full on website, full on domain to catch and anything, everything, James Tyler, Ethan Kane and late street, you know? And so that's kind of our way is we can promote the .com. We don't have to worry about challenging these algorithms with these other, you know, opposing part or opposing companies. And, and hit them with that domain, and that's the one-stop shop. You know, you can get every link you need us at, whether it's TikTok all the way down to Spotify, Apple Music, to Instagram, to Twitter, to SoundCloud, if people still go there. You know, yeah, and yeah. so wherever you want it, you'll get us on that domain. I think I think that's the smart move for just about anybody these days is, I mean, go to your own .com. It's, it's the way to go. You know, honestly, it is. I like I use. And I'm just gonna throw it out there. I use SoundCloud to host this podcast, but I actually also look at the stats on there. How many people are listening natively on SoundCloud as opposed to using a third party RSS app like right. you know iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Uh, almost nobody uses SoundCloud to listen to podcasts. Actually, so they're they're using. You'd those, be schooling me because I wouldn't know. Yeah, they're using those third party apps instead of just SoundCloud. And that's the other funny thing about SoundCloud is like I it's like I got a podcast on there, and every now and then some rapper people will be like, "Oh, check out my stuff," and it's like. Oh yeah, this is. I forget that this is mostly for you know the internet rap scene, you yeah, know, anymore. It, it, it really is, and I mean honestly, SoundCloud. I think if we utilize it for anything, don't be wrong. Everything we do ends up there for mm-hmm. those who go there, and we have followers who only listen there. Mm-hmm. But I really like to utilize it for for the remixes that we do because SoundCloud is a huge way. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of a kind of a free game moment here. But uh, the hashtags that you use in SoundCloud, if you use them correctly. Um, let's just, you know, let's pick a, a Roddy Rich, you know, song. If you were to do a remix of that and you hashtag it the right way, I won't give that up, yeah. but if you hashtag it the right way, you'll show up either right above his or right next to the original song every single time. Nice. And so it's kind of, you know, and if you're monetizing your music, another thing people should know, hopefully they do know, is if you're monetizing, you're doing everything correctly. I mean, there's, there's chump change to be made by just releasing a song, you yeah. know, and there really is. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of people are, you know, either confused on how to monetize music. And I mean, you can just do basic searches to figure out the best way to do it. And like one of the tricks I've been showing people is like, if you use a distribution site, I don't care if it's distro kid or, or United what, what masters I, or whatever yeah. you use to distribute it everywhere. Uh, almost all of them will create like a YouTube music video uh, yeah, type for thing you for on their own but then Absolutely. you can go to youtube and you can find it on there too and a lot of times it's stuck on some weird channel that's not your channel it's not yours and there's a there's a way to take those and put them front and center on your actual youtube channel so when people listen absolutely. to them it generates you know revenue you know absolutely and honestly i've, I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks with emails through distro kid uh mm-hmm. sorting that out because there's one other james tyler music in this <clears throat> world you know and so and that and, but the thing is is he he's i'm not even gonna cloud them on this you know what i'm saying but like significant smaller numbers than i'm even at and my numbers aren't big Mm -hmm. so that tells me is it doesn't really matter he can be bought out at one point if it comes down to that but otherwise yeah countless emails with distro kid getting them on the right page because they do that even if it's not the right if it's even not the same name artist they'll somehow get you on somebody else's stuff sometimes it happens like that it does Uh, a good example for that would be i was in a metal band called unity 
And um, I mean, they were they've been around for like ten plus years. But then there was some band in Germany that's like a super group of metal. Uh, that was like a whole bunch of different bands. Somebody from every band kind of jumped in, and they called themselves Unity. Well, boom, they got the name taken over, you yeah, know. Yeah. But then you go up there, and there's also like, you know, yoga playlists by like, you know, instrumental people who just, you know, do synthwave type stuff, and they call themselves Unity. And then there's, you know, and then there's Jamaican, <laughs> See, you know, there's Jamaican stuff. Names going on there. are you're, they're, they're difficult, you know. You gotta. It, it's almost impossible to be original anymore. Yeah. And and if you're gonna go with a name that's probably being used i mean the first thing I, I suggest anyone doing is go check your copyright on it right away you know there's there's websites out there where you can just type it in and it'll just let you know instantly mm-hmm. is there copyrights on this is there trademarks is so on and so forth you know and nowadays good luck yeah you know good luck and really what's your purpose because you don't need all that like if you're just you know it just really just depends what level you're at and how serious you take something yeah true because like i mean if you want to make your own copyright thing it usually costs anywhere from like a hundred to a couple hundred bucks depending on how you yeah, want to do not it much money it's it's really not that much money and it's like if you're thinking about like well if we make t-shirts of this that and the other and they're like we can make that up in a year easy pie you know and then you have that safety net behind you to be like well this is a, this is my name technically you can't have this name so yeah man, it, um, yeah yeah i don't know i'm in a punk band named three finger betty ain't nobody gonna take that name and, right and not only that but like who wants that name no i'm just kidding i'm just Kidding. No, it's great. If John's it's listening great. to this. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And I, in going off that, I mean, Late Street, uh, you know, which most who know James Ty know what I'm doing, and Ethan Kane, that's our collab group. And Late Street is that beautiful thing where the name kind of came naturally uh, off a verse that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And and the line just kind of stuck out and or stood out. And one day it was just like, well, what are we going to call ourselves as a group? That line ended up coming up, and it was like, well, that's it, Late Street, you know, Deuce Block on Late Street. But either way, once we put started putting it in, you know, in the systems and we started going for LLCs and getting you know copyrights and all that, it doesn't exist anywhere. Like nice. The beauty of it was it's almost meant to happen. You know, Lake Street yep. doesn't exist anywhere else. And that, you know, that's so rare these days. It's mm-hmm. so rare. Unless you got, like you said, Three Finger Betty, which <laughs> honestly, man, you'd be surprised. Like, have you ever tried to actually see if it's copyright or trademark I, anywhere? I, I, like, never, I never have, honestly, you know. I, um, I'm almost curious now. I kind of want to know. <laughs> it's not my baby, so I kind of, I kind of, I, I give a little bit of my time to, you know, beefing some of the stuff up but it's not my baby so it's kind of i'll just kind of just leave all that in john's hands but uh i get it i get it but uh yeah i mean as far as bands like with the llcs and stuff do you have to have one no like should you have one maybe like is it is it worth it i don't know how serious you're trying to take it it really comes down to that if you're making money uh you might want to have one so you can write some stuff off on the back end that's exactly where where i'm i'm at and lay street's at right now is is we are finally at a point where we want to take it that next step, you know, with the dot com, the online web store, uh, and and performing. We've been we've been performing for ten years, but it's at a point now where we're performing on a higher tier than we mm-hmm. were for the past few years. And that being the case, we only want to push it further. So we're looking, you know, the LLC is something we don't even have yet for Late Street. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to release that publicly. No, <laughs> you know, I'll have to go pay somebody else for it now. Uh, <laughs> but no, and and that right there just comes down to is. It's different when you're doing it solely in a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, and so and, and, and that's something we're you know we're just we're learning, figuring out, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting knowing that we're pushing in a direction where the money is also at a point now where we're like, oh man, we kind of have to take this serious. Like we yep. can't just be going off personal accounts anymore because we're holding, 
you know, a few thousand dollars in a, in a, in a brand that's not either one of us. It's a sole uh, it's, partnership. It, yeah, so. it's between the two of you. And that's the other thing. Like, I don't know. I went to school for accounting or whatever. It's like it's a lot easier to write stuff off if you actually have like an LLC or something than if you're trying to report it on your personal taxes and things like that. Cause well, it's just the way it works. You know? And absolutely, even going down to your merchandise, um, you get tax breaks if you have an LLC, just yep. ordering merchandise in bulk. Yeah. And that was something I learned over the past year. It was just, okay, well, sh- this LLC is more more beneficial than just being official yeah you know places will give you that tax break for having your own tax number or tax id and then you know whatever yeah that's all like right that's all super deep business accounting we're just getting into conversations now (laughs) 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 in case anybody's wondering ethan is actually sitting here behind the camera and nobody can see him but he's he's waving at us and we're looking at him and pointing him out here so he is here (laughs) maybe he'll sneak in here for a little bit but uh pull up a chair yeah (laughs) but you do play live shows though i mean it was it was kind of sketchy there nobody was playing live shows and then for a while some people were and some people weren't and i get it where everybody was kind period. of picking and choosing what they were going to do i mean we did a couple private shows and like i did a warehouse show where it was just like well there's only 50 people here and this warehouse could you know easily fit five thousand people so everyone right. could easily stay far enough away and I, we did a couple of those here and there and um but you do have shows coming up you're starting to book shows just as everyone else is finally starting to book absolutely shows again, so. you know and we, we took a break off for the solid year there we definitely did um for good reason you know absolutely for good reason but now i think it's at a point where not only is the comfortability getting there the buttons like the trigger is going to be pulled eventually it's never yep. going to feel okay at first it's never going to feel like we're i don't know there's this underlying feeling of i'm kind of doing something wrong it seems like that's right? the thing that everyone needs to get over you're not doing something and we wrong. won't get over it until we just start doing it exactly and so you know and and luckily for us is we didn't have to come around and do our own show. We had we had people come reach out to us and want us to come on to uh, traveling shows. So I mean, in the first one being April twenty first at Lefties down in Des Moines with uh, King Iso. Sweet, yeah, this will be out before then. So uh, that's yeah. that's the first yeah. show you guys are gonna be able to check. King Iso, Strange Music, Lefties, April twenty first, and then following that is at Fort Frenzy here in Fort Dodge, which is, I mean, a couple key points there. First of all, it's riffraff. Open or uh, headlining that show, so that's kind of a big deal for Fort Dodge alone is to have someone like Riff Raff come through. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's happened at Fort Frenzy, which leads into another show in July, but to to touch on Fort Frenzy here, that's kind of a big opportunity for Fort Dodge in itself. Is that's a a venue now? Yeah, it's a venue now. So and that's cool. And this is the first show they're going to showcase there, and to be a part of it is exciting and and definitely. Um, I don't know. I'm just really, I'm just really excited to see where it goes. To have a spot like this in Fort Dodge, where we can actually bring traveling acts in, it's it's opening doors for all of us, you know. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, this isn't anything against your your breweries or your small restaurants or anything not like that all. that are playing shows. It's it's just another new place that can fit a different style of music in there and kind of a larger capacity. Yeah, and if you haven't been to Fort Frenzy in a while, uh, they they just keep expanding and keep making it bigger and better. Yeah. I mean, the first time I was out there, it was pretty much just an arcade for kids. Right. Ethan's here. Uh, but uh, you know, and then Dang. and then all of a sudden it was just like, well, now they got go karts, and now they got you know, there's a hotel right next door that they they built that's like, oh, yeah. if you could just if you want to come here for the weekend, you could stay at the hotel and hang right. out, you know. And I mean, there's right. all sorts of stuff going on there. So I mean, it's it just keeps getting bigger and better, and I'm glad there's stuff going on. We got Ethan Kane coming in the coming in the mix here. I only got two mics, so uh, it's all know, right. If it's you want to give right. any shout outs, make sure you just pass that mic over. But right yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about you know, at least the Fort Frenzy area is the fact that somebody's actually doing something with it, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, you're booking shows there and maybe it'll open up well, a, an opportunity. Just to be clear, I'm not booking shows. Well, we well, have, we have different agencies with Dirty Dodge Promotions, Corrupted Promotions and CLM 
they're the ones handling the booking. Yeah. They like, reached out to us to bring on as artists. But you're yeah. getting booked on shows there. But, yeah, there but it's go, one yeah. of those things where I think, well, maybe that'll open up, you know, to somebody else getting booked on a show. And there. absolutely it will. In time. You know, in yep. time. And, and to be honest, it's it's all still kind of experimental. Fort Frenzy's never done anything like this. Fort yep. God has never had anything of this scale come through. And to be honest, everybody, it's on you guys. The more people that show up, the more that the community shows this is something we get excited about, the more that not only us happen. in the community will try and make it happen. If Fort Dodge sees it, Fort Dodge is a city, I have, I have no issue believing that they would try to hop on something that brings such excitement to the community. Exactly. You uh, know? That's the other thing. If it brings in attention, money, people, uh, it brings in people from out of town, it's, it's worth having. And, and cities and you know, businesses definitely realize that. You know? Right. And that's, I mean, that's one of those things where like, we were talking about some of the, like the breweries, like your River Hops and, and your you know, places like that. They realize that kind of stuff. There's people that will come from, you know, I come from Humboldt and watch shows there. So they realize they can bring people in if they bring in, you know, whatever your Tank Anthony's or your yeah. you know, Blue Ribbon Ramblers or whoever, you know. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they could bring some people in and they'll spend money here and it's actually good business. So they'll, they'll start bringing it's them back. It's good for everybody. It's exactly, good for everybody. Exactly. I mean, that's that's really cool. I mean, I, not that like Three Finger Betty has a hard time getting booked places, but it's also kind of tough for me to like. I'm not going to go to sneakers and be like, you want to book Three Finger Betty? You know, we use profanity in every song and there's going to be people no. sitting down here eating dinner Absol and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's... Let me see this. I'm going to this. It's like, you know, even playing with the pawn shop kids, playing here in Fort Dodge for as long as I have, I've been playing shows here forever. And if I didn't book them or if Jared didn't book them, they didn't happen. Yeah. You know, we didn't go, we didn't never got offered to play at any brewery, any place like that. That that well, that didn't exist back then, but still, like you said, no one wants to come watch a heavy thrash band throw it down and scream at you for thirty minutes, you know, unless yep. you're really into that scene. And then that's when we come in and we'll take you to the warehouse or take you to the bat cave or take you somewhere else where we can have that scene and brew that scene on our terms. And yeah. that's kind of what we did for so long. And now that these guys are coming out. It's just, it's like a beautiful thing to see it all blossoming kind of like right in front of us with an underground scene, with the headlining scene and the bar scene. Yep. It's just this beautiful thing that's happening right now. It's awesome. Yeah. You actually just reminded me, like speaking of thrash bands and stuff like that coming around town, I got to give a shout out to Patty's. They're closed. They're not around anymore. You know, it was Pee Wee's Absolutely. before or whatever, but man, they had bands coming in there left and right. And then when all they the closed, it was just like, what are we going to do? What do we like, do now? That, that was the, that was the last place, you know, three finger Betty had played in Fort Dodge until Jared started booking shows at, at random places around right. here and, right. you know, in places that would accept us. And once again, it's not like, it's not like Three Finger Betty is like super coarse material and things like that, but people sitting down eating dinner at sneakers don't want to get yelled at by, well, no, a, by a high energy. It goes back band, to being know? to go. It goes back to being hip hop artists or rappers, honestly, and, and where the stigma was inciting riots and the people you bring or blah blah blah. I mean, it goes back to that. It's it's, it's been hard, and, and we're finally turning the page on that. And honestly, with the the new breweries and the the bars opening up to the live acts that they are, mm -hmm. it's inspired me and him yeah, bolted like, to, to sit here and it's like we can our, our hip-hop set you know i'll like grab the acoustic and like just do some stuff just to make that happen for a set you know the so we can actually go to these bars and play that type of scene you know because we try to fit in there as well we want to do that well not only well. do we try we come from that well, naturally and so and the thing is i mean i stem so heavily into poetry and so i know i can tone it down to a spoken word level if i'm in the corner of a bar yep. you know with just a karaoke setup and yeah put a guitar in ethan's hands we have we do this when we jam out, so it's like really all, all all you guys have done is inspire us to say, oh, we can we can go and jam out with you guys, like yep. we can do this on a different you know uh, genre, yep. but still fit right in the same 
the same pocket. Yeah. Speaking of that, I, I absolutely love the fact that, like, I mean, let's go with, like, the rap and hip-hop scene a little bit. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's just dudes with beep-boop machines, and they just push play, and then or they put a USB right. into a laptop, the and then they, and they just, hooty-hoot, you know, yeah. or whatever. But, like, you go watch them live, and it's like, any more live, there's, like, there's a bass player, a drummer, a guitarist, and you're like, a, a guy playing synth, you know, and it's like, holy crap, they're, if they're, they're going serious full band about their craft, because don't be wrong, you got people who are out here who are just studio rappers and then you see them on stage and they get booked for these shows and they're just karaoke in their songs there's mm -hmm. vocals behind everything and and they are just hitting play on their cell phone yeah do a yeah, pa yeah. you know and so and i yeah. i don't like to hit like that don't be wrong we bring a laptop we have yet to find a dj who can really really rock with us which is but tough it's tough it's I've, tough I've, it's, I've it's tried, a dying art dude i've tried doing that it is freaking hard it is it's freaking tough. hard it's tough and so it, being on the struggle of that don't be wrong we show up with the laptop but we keep it 100 percent instrumentals so, you mm -hmm. know so so at least my instrument is my vocals you know what i mm -hmm. mean so if i'm not showcasing you my instrument full on full through and i'm just karaoke over my own song then what am i really how can i call myself a performer how could i actually be any more than Lindsay Lohan, or, or just, <laughs> or just someone who says I'm a good talker and watch me on on, on my, or not even watch me, listen to my MP3s on social media. Yeah, you know, and so uh, yeah, it's, there's definitely a level to it where it's like if if you can be a a rapper, but yeah. are you a, are you a performer? Are you an artist? Are you serious about your craft? You know, there's definitely something to that. Um, I'm gonna tie it back to punk music. I mean, like we could just stand on stage and just make you know, not make any facial expressions, just. And then just stand in one spot and play guitar or whatever. But man, we we go play with Three Finger Betty. It's high energy music. I'm running left and right. I'm I'm you know I'm doing all the goofy poses, making the faces. Yeah, yeah. And doing the whole thing because it's like people want to see a show. They're gonna get into it more if people are moving around than they yeah. are if you're just standing there. And I get that some people are like, well, you know, I gotta stand still and play, you know, play the music correct or whatever but i mean like even with the band unity it was just like once i got used to playing a little bit more intricate riffs it was just like all right now we're gonna do the whole like everybody stand with their foot on the monitor and point the guitar at the yeah, crowd kind yeah. of deal or whatever you know what it, yeah and people love that stuff you oh know, it's, eat it it's, up. it's yeah. so fun. like you may think and feel like it's cheesy when you're in the process of like <laughs> choreographing that stuff you know what i'm saying but or choreographing that stuff but it's necessary i mean that's what makes the breaks the the mentality of local to something bigger. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? When you're only thinking, well, I'm just playing for my friends I grew up with and went to high school with here in Fort Dodge. Like, if that's your mentality, well, then you're going to stay in that that position, you know? But when you're thinking, well, I'm I'm here to give them a show. If I'm playing for 10 people or 100 people, they're going to get the same performance. Yep. And, and that took me a long time to learn personally is I, I he would get mad at me because I would struggle. I was like, if we have 10 people there, bro, my energy's lost and I would struggle. And it took years for me to get comfortable enough with myself and my own, confident in my own performance and my own music to realize that I don't care if there's three, five, six of you to a 50 to 100 to 150 to 300 people of you like i'm gonna give you guys the same performance no matter what and i you know that's how it should be yeah i mean you brought up a good point too though like if you're just playing and i'm not saying just playing but if you're playing for just the people who are a whole bunch of your buddies and stuff like that sometimes you're just like ah it's a little embarrassing for me to ham it up on stage or whatever it's like dude you gotta get over that hump because, get over it. because it might be 10 of your buddies and then 10 people who have never seen you before exactly. and those are the 10 people you should be playing for not not your 10 buddies and your that friends are will show. never give you the same amount of support that someone who doesn't know who you are will. And yeah. Don't be wrong. I love my friends. I love my homies. And y'all support, like, I couldn't ask for anything more. But what I'm saying is there's a different amount that comes with someone who doesn't even know who you are. Yeah. But then they found your music, and they loved it so much that they were like, I got to support this. There's a different dynamic there when it comes to, like, I grew up with this guy who is into what I'm doing and, and respects the passion compared to this person who has no clue 
what you stand for, who you are personally, but they're like his well, his art is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, so. yeah, hundred percent. I you know let's uh, let's let's like I mean we got a half an hour in here already. This is awesome. Um, let's let's sidetrack here just a little bit. We're talking hip hop and rap and stuff. And I, I'm a little bit older than you guys, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm in, I'm in my thirties, uh, early thirties, but like I went to Iowa central, you know, in the mid two thousands and there were people there that were like, I'm a rapper or whatever. Like check out this rap demo. Somebody found it. You just get like a weird burn CD and you pop it in and it's like, yeah. and nothing against it, but some of it wasn't very good. Most of it's not. And, and I, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but it's just not my flavor of stuff. So when, when people are like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a rapper, a hip hop artist, I'm always just kind of nervous because it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to judge this person unfairly. And, and I'm throwing this out there seriously. I'm not blowing smoke up your butt at all. I listen to your stuff and I'm like, this guy gets it. You know, like it's maybe it's more palatable to my tastes or something, but like I enjoy what you, you are doing. I enjoy what you do. And it's you. one of those yeah. things where I think to myself, like, you know, maybe some people are making stuff that's not for me. That's like the easiest way to, to go about doing it. But some of it's also low production I'll value what, or like they don't, I, their heart's not in it or something. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just to speak on it, I guess, I mean, thank you first and foremost, like appreciate the, the hell out of that. Um, no, I, I think a lot of it is, is initially why people get into rapping, I think for the most part, and I'm speaking from outside, I guess my realm, honestly, but I see a lot of it as in, this is what's cool. And and if I do this, I'll get attention and maybe make some fucking so, excuse me some money off of it. No, you you can yeah it's, yeah. It's but fine. so that being the case is you get a lot of that, and most of it is just put out there with that. Like you can feel that you can mm-hmm. feel that it's not. There's no passion. There's no real heart behind it. There's no call it what you will. Yeah, right. Call it what you will. So and to be honest, I we've gotten that our kind of our whole lives is like where I've always. People be like, oh, you do music. And I'm like, I don't even want to tell them I'm a rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really don't because there's a stigma where it's like, oh, you're a rapper. And back then it was, I just expected to be trash. Now it's everybody's a rapper. Yeah. And so, right. and so either way, the stigma really hasn't left. And, I, and, and the only difference now is that I've had so many years proving to me where it's like I shy away from it. But then when I really show them the music, they go, oh, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. 100%. You know? I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go like this. Um, I mean, Ethan, even you and Pawn Shop Kids, you do. I wouldn't say you do like rap stuff, but you do like incorporate little bits of hip hop and things like that into what you got going on. Definitely. And so, like, that's another thing where it's just like I never expected this to be a thing, and then all of a sudden you're just like, this is actually pretty cool because it's it's blending two styles I would have normally thought would have blended together. Well. Right, and it's it's so weird because even when it comes to the Pawn Shop Kids, like my my overall goal with that was like I want a '90s alternative like grunge band but i want to be able to like spit bars to it and i want it to be kind of heavy and so that was like where i went with it you Dude, know? now that you say that it's just like light bulb like that makes sense that's exactly like the feel of it exactly <laughs> and so it's like i want i want gavin rosdell to be singing to you but then i also want chuck d to be rapping at you at the same time so it's cool. like how can i do that and make that happen and so that was like my pawn shop kid thing and that's that's where that came from but then to come even touch back on just the the CD thing and just the kind of that stereotype that we were just talking on, like it comes down for us. Like when we put CDs out when we do that, like we've done the whole burnt CD thing and all Mm -hmm. that. It's like, we try to give you a jewel case. You know, we try to give you the whole nine yards. We want to make it feel as like as real as it can possibly be. Cause we were those kids going to shows, buying these CDs from like index case and the Stumpletons and all these other bands and stuff. And it's like, to have those cases in our hands, it's like, oh, this is awesome, bigger than life, you know? And then yeah. to, to be able to do that for these younger kids and all of that, that's that's our goal. That's what we want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. 
subject, but it's finding it's finding the happy medium there because it's like jewel cases and CDs they don't hit the same, you know, and kind of vinyls are kind of coming back. Yep. But the production of a vinyl record is expensive, to be honest. From an artist standpoint, it's really expensive. I'm looking directly at the camera. Yes, it is. It's uh, expensive, dude. It's dude, expensive. we're selling the three finger be- thing free. We're th- selling our three finger Betty vinyls, fifteen bucks a pop, and clearing and clearing no money on it because that's how much money we spent on uh, mixing, mastering it for vinyl specifically, right. finding somebody that could actually like press and cut a vinyl well. Everything, yeah. I you know? Know? Well, no, it's, have a vinyl record for hip hop. I have this whole I have this whole thing planned out for a solo album. It's like the it's almost like Metallica's Black Album, right? Yeah. But it's just like a black album that I have. It's a dark dark themed album that I want to do. And and I, I totally want to get it pressed up on vinyl, and I I'll have to talk to you about this after this because I want to figure out how to how you went about to do it. And I know there's a couple different companies, but something that I think would be really cool. You just have to do it like a low number, you know, like limited run, yep. low number shit. And but it, to the people who love that vinyl, like I love it. I love that stuff. Uh, when we did the Battle Royal show, yep, that was awesome. Like I went over to their table, I gave them, well, I think I gave them twenty bucks. They gave me a T-shirt, a cassette tape patches two vinyls two like two cds i mean they literally just unloaded their merch on me and i was like you guys are awesome yeah. like, uh, thank you for coming from chicago i hope you guys watch this this is great yeah that's another one of those things don't judge a band uh, based on like what you think their appearance is because i was like man these guys are gruff they're gonna be mean as hell and then i talked to one of them outside and i was like dude this guy's nice as hell yeah like, like these guys are cool <laughs> as shit like they were really awesome yeah like exactly that one guy walking around with a cane like yeah i was like this guy's gonna kill me yeah, like if pimp. i just he's say like, something wrong or look at him yeah. wrong yeah, it was like it was awesome though oh my god cool yeah the vinyl game's tough and like i i was once again i wrote in the back seat on like getting vinyls pressed because it was something john from three finger betty wanted to do and i was just like if you want to do it you jump headlong into it and do it and i mean i found a diff- couple few different places and one of them's like it has to be 12 inch and you have to have at least this much material otherwise you're gonna have like a giant section of blank on the vinyl yep. and you have to make 500 of them and it's like whoa i don't you, you know you're not gonna oh 500 you know God. or whatever and so it's like well let's let's just see if we can find a place that'll maybe just make 100 or something like that instead and so we went through a couple different places and i know the the person that kind of set it all up for us they knew all the contacts to hit up but it was weird because it's just like we'll make you 100 vinyls and we'll make you 100 vinyl sleeves but in order to make the center labels the person the minimum orders like 200 so it's like well we got like 100 center sleeve labels for the vinyl that we don't they're not even stuck to anything so it's just like what do we do with these you know hand them out at shows yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean that's one of the coolest things i was talking about earlier about like mixing mixing the scene up here a little bit uh the first time i ever even figured out who you were james tyler was when you were doing stuff with jesse wilson like jesse was just like oh i got this i got this guy named james tyler so he's gonna you know come and rap a couple little bit on on this album or this song i'm gonna put out or whatever uh let's uh, that's like a early bird leak that's not out yet or anything yeah, but it's uh, not has not been announced no no but uh but that's how i figured out who you were and i was just like man like how do you find out who this guy is like where, where'd you figure out who this guy is i gotta go look his stuff up and i was kind of just i was already friends with you or friends with people that knew you so it was like right. oh i'll just hit him up online and see what he says you know and and that was how i figured out you know oh you got a youtube channel and not only that but you like do remixes on there just about every week you put out a new remix every Every other week, yeah. Every other week, uh, I I do a remix to. I try to do the most trending song if no one's given any anything out there. But I also let 
the supporters and anyone who follows me tell me what to remix. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. next week we're probably going to work on some Dirty Heads because I had a request to do a Dirty Heads remix. So that'll be that'll be real fun. What's the thought process on doing a remix? How do you how do you go about doing it or what's like okay. the basis for it? Like so, that's the other thing. Uh, me being a guy that just pretty much plays guitar, it's just like I don't even know what's going on here, you know. Right. So. Uh there's I mean it definitely differs by the song and by how I'm feeling. I mean I, we, I did a remix two nights ago where it was 100% last minute, freestyled off the top, and I didn't have a song in mind until I sat down. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 ended up, I ended up remixing NF Clouds actually first, did about four remixes to that, mm -hmm. wasn't personally happy with any of them, and then went to Justin Bieber Peaches and did about three of those, picked one, released it, and if anyone actually has been paying attention, I took it down six hours ago because I wasn't happy with it which is actually I've never done that my whole life of releasing music I've never put anything out and took it down but I did for the first time and I just got a lot of family stuff going on right now this week that happens to be that reason for that but either way let me bring it back to the answer to your question the remix process just kind of comes down to do I want to completely attack it with the same tone and rhythm that the original artist did mm -hmm. that's the first question I asked myself yep. and then second question I asked myself is do I have the topic, like, am I capable to talk about this topic right now or something that fits at least the melody of this song or the structure of this song? Mm -hmm. So that all comes into hand. And then, and then how far do I want to challenge myself today? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I've had a, someone said remix Eminem's Nat, where he just kind of really snapped on. Uh, and I'm over here like, yeah, I would love to do that. Do I feel like I'm in a place where I just want to go Eminem kind of snap bars on you right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> I have to be in that grind, that mode, that that center. So yeah, that's not something where you're just like, well, I've been having a pretty good last couple of days at work. You know, I love my family. Easter was just yesterday. That's right, cool. Like, right. yeah, let's, let's, now let's get angry. Now let's know? talk about how fuck the world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I really I think it comes down to how any song I make gets created to begin with is it's just how I feel in the moment. And every single time I, I go to make any song, it's about how I feel right then and there. And that's why everything, that's why I think every song changes by the song that I make. You know, one, this week you might get one that's like completely would belong on the B side of an album back mm -hmm. in the 80s, you know, the fucking t cassette tech tape and you just, it's B side, the shit that's not really popular. Like that's, you know, you might get that this week, then you get, might, might get one that sounds like Juice World's biggest hit, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, as far as like tone goes or sonic sound and then, you might get one that's a straight acoustic song that I did with my buddy Ethan or Alex Bird or, or, or Riley Bird or something. You know what I mean? It's It just goes with how you feel. And I'm a kind of a poet at start of it all. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I can't help but to write what's on my mind first and foremost. So let me bring it back to something that might – like I – I dabbled in rap a little bit here and there, and every now and then somebody would be like, well, we put out this uh, this remix album, or like some of them would be like a chopped and screwed album, which is like where they take the beat, yeah. and they just really chop it up, really, and just slow it down, and, and, and chop, yeah, yeah, brutalize what the original mix of it all was and change it. So like, do you, I mean, that's another thing I'm going to ask you, I guess, like, is that something you ever think about, or is like, we're going to slow this, we're going to take the same exact concept, but we're going to slow it down a little bit, and we're going to do it this way instead, or we're going to speed it up and make it a little bit more upbeat. You know what's or, funny is that's how I started my first ever bit of recording was on a cassette tape and an eight track and all that and and that's how i got my beats mm -hmm. was taking albums that had a song with an intro on it of you know two to four to six measures. if i could get eight measure bit with no words Ooh, oh, i'm yeah. stoked right yeah. so what i would do is i would i would sample i would take that i'd put it into my my cool edit pro dos software it was cool edit pro is what it was called back then on my Windows Vista, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And I put it in there, and I would take that, you know, four measures or whatever it was, and I would just loop it 
but then I would change it, you know, whether I'm changing the pitch or I'm changing the, um, the speed of it, or yeah, I might even just create some, whole, put like a flanger effect on it or some shit and see mm-hmm. what happens. Right. But no, that's how literally how I started making my music was doing that. Mm-hmm. It was just changing things up that way and just making it my own. And we still utilize that today, to be honest with you. Um, there's, I mean, countless of cases that I could go on about, but yeah, we, we incorporate that almost into every single song, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I mean, for people that don't know, like that's, that's actually a really common thing in, in rap music is people will take like a tiny little bar of something and they'll use that as like the basis. And then they'll be like, well, this is kind of like this other song that's completely different. And we're going to take a couple bars off of this and slam it in here too. Maybe overlap them, maybe, inter- well, you know, interchange them and make no, something and absolutely, completely very new. Com- very common with hip hop. I guess to just, uh, reiterate on how we use it nowadays is nowadays we go off more like we will have a sound we'll have say an instrumental and then we'll literally change what we've had and worked on for however long and just realize well we could it could be fresher if we just like drop a couple keys here or drop a couple pitches here and you know what i'm saying and that's that's how that's what i mean with how how we still utilize that aspect to mm-hmm. this day but as far as sampling no we do not sample anything anymore because it in order to actually clear that to distribute it or yeah. to distribute it, you can't anymore with, with samples. The, you know what I'm saying? Like a certain date, like a prior date. Well, it's more or less if they allow their masters, if they allow their masters to be sampled royalty free, is what it comes down to. It comes down to that artist saying, My masters are royalty free samples to do whatever you want with them, which is non existent in a lot of ways. Like, there's very few that that exists. And with. here's the other end of that even if they do give you that green light, sometimes a YouTube algorithm might be like, We don't know the difference between exactly. that. So we're just going to take it down because they can figure out, like, either way. Yeah. yeah. And that's another reason, like, people are like, You should put music on your podcast. It's like, Well, I would love to, but I don't want to get flagged by YouTube. And you um, just hit seven not, seconds at a time of a song. Yeah. And I'm not monetizing <laughs> any of this, anyways. I'm like, My only mon- money I get from this is literally from selling merch, you know, and I don't really sell much, anyways. I just have, like, you know, hoodies and shirts. But it's just like, you know, so I'm not like I'm making money on this anyways, but in the off chance I get the opportunity to later, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to try to monetize something and have them just flag it and then take it down oh, or whatever, you know, absolutely. so I, uh, I totally get where you're coming from there. But, uh, you know, it's also kind of cool to think about like the sampling thing. I, it's, it's something that always blew my mind. And like every time that I would be listening to something that used a little sample of something in there, I'd just be like what did this come from or whatever? And I mean, a lot of people will point out like, oh, well, Dr. Dre is the king of sampling stuff. We all get that or whatever. But like one Kanye might be the king of sampling, <laughs> but yeah. But, like, <laughs> no, go ahead. but when I was sitting there thinking was, uh, uh, regulators, Warren G. And then, I, and then I was like listening to, um, Michael McDonald. That's or Michael. That's all right. Yeah, I think it is. But it's, uh, the dude from the Doobie brothers that okay. sang in there, but like he sampled like the in- intro part on one of those songs. And it was just like, Oh, you change this. You change this a hundred percent. But like, it's so cool when you get to have that moment where you hear, say you hear it in a rap song first, you hear this melody. I did. First, right. Yeah. yeah. But then when you hear the original, you go, Oh my God. Yeah. That's where it comes. Like, it's such a cool thing. It's a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like, think about, think about Mikey Clark when he redid summertime in Sweet Home Alabama for Kid Rock. Mm-hmm took two rock songs made it one song the summertime song for, for for kid rock like that is insane to me and i'm like is that cheating is that cheating You're like yes you, you took you know it's like you took werewolves in london yep and then you know sweet home alabama i'm just like that's crazy to me but like the way he did it yes you did take two noticeably genuine like songs put them together and made kind of this weird 
summertime Philly song out of it. That's it. Yeah, it's good, which is crazy to me, but that's that's hip hop. Well, here's the other end of that. Uh, to the lay person, not that like you know the average music listener doesn't. And I'm not calling them ignorant or dumb or whatever, but like some people don't even know. They're like, oh, that song's awesome, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is actually just Sweet Home Alabama for the most part, and they're like. What? And it's like, oh, holy cow! I didn't even realize yeah, that, you know, or yeah. like, you know, or like this is just Werewolves of London. They're like, oh, I, never, I, I, I caught the, you know, Sweet Home Alabama. I didn't even know this is Werewolves of London in here or whatever, right, you know. Right. So yeah. pe- some people don't even know that. Yeah. Like, so uh, that's another thing. If you if you write something that's kind of basic and you're just like, this sounds too much like this, don't undersell yourself because not everybody's gonna notice. You yeah, know, that's, that's a fact. And and most of the time, when you write it like that, to where you think and you're questioning that, like, oh, this is going to be lame, or they're not even going to get it, or whatever, most of the time, that's the one that they all like the most. Yeah, um, I look at that as, like, an easily digestible type thing, exactly. where it's like, like uh, I'm not calling anything out here, but Sweet Home Alabama is just, like, a D, a C, and a G, for like the or a D, yeah, D, C, G, like, the whole song, you know, and it's like, that sounds pretty lame when you think about it, but it's just, like, it's way more palatable than, like, you know, some super shreddy, like, you know, Megadeth or something, because right. it's just people are just like, there's too many notes in here. This is too much, too many notes. Too much, but it's <laughs> you know? like, you know, or like Pantera, you know, it's like yeah. listening to Dime play and shred on something, and it's like, you can't even try to comprehend really what's going on. You know, he's just getting it in. To us, to people like me, I'm like, oh, I love that. You yep. know, I'm like, yep. oh my God, I've, how's he soloing with feedback right now? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, totally. To everyone else is like, oh no, just give me ACDC, yep. ADG. Yep. That's yep. all I want. Yep. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, that's another thing about, and I'm not, you know, saying anything about any type of music, but like country music, probably the most popular music in the world, or at least in America, uh, it's, it generates some of the most money. It's like the most advertisable music out there and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you go look, it's like, how did you play this country song? Well, it's four chords. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Yep. It's, it's super basic, but it's so palatable. So like, that's another thing that comes out. that's down- why when your music is palatable, that's when it can actually have a chance to grow. Yeah, or transcend genres and have give people the ability to be like, oh, I could sample some of this, or at least borrow borrow a portion of this and then incorporate it into what I'm doing and completely change both things into something that's completely brand new. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like saying like. I'm gonna make a pizza, and someone's like, "You didn't invent pizza sauce. You're cheating." You know? And it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, but it's like, no. You see, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm Putting borrowing. Ranch on it. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's, but that's that's the beauty of hip hop is that's where it all started was was poetry over breakbeats. Yeah. You know, 100. percent It started with sampling. It was uh, disco era music, mm-hmm. and they would take the part. The DJ would take the part that the crowd danced the most to when the when the crowd really got into it and said this is my favorite part they would take those you know those little bit of measures four you know to eight measures and they would just loop it mm-hmm. and, they, but, and that's where the crayola crayon comes into play you know mm-hmm. is like they would uh, scratch their record with the crayola mark let them know that's where they reverse it back yep reverse it back and, but they had two records with the same loop you know but it's i mean it's crazy to think that that's where it started was two records creating the same loop to become a rapper and now i mean well, where i started back in the early 2000s was doing it on my computer mm-hmm. but nowadays it's all handled on a beat machine like, yep. just to go from the chapters to it you know it's but i mean just i mean i get my bad i'm only bringing this up to root it back to meshing to so many different types of music to create a whole new sound and you know genre more or less yeah and i mean like once again to people that like i said i'm not a, a rap r&b hip-hop t- type of guy i do listen to some i mean i'd obviously like i got into like eminem back in the late 90s and stuff like everyone else did in the right. early 2000s you know and i've i've listened to your dr dre's and your everything else you know the chronic woo i've listened to it a bazillion times it's great stuff but it's like 
I, I, I always thought to myself, like, man, are these guys cheating? And it's like, no, they're not cheating. This is a different, this is a different thing. And once again, it's like, if you're, it's like, oh, I built a go-kart. Like, you didn't make the engine from right. scratch. It's right. cheating. And it's like, no, it's not cheating, dude. It's not. Well, no, I mean, I mean, and you know how we started this whole podcast is I started with, like, almost uh, telling myself I'm not a musician. Because, like, as, as, a, as a rapper, I think we struggle with that in our own identity anyway, is we kind of almost feel like... We're cheating, you know what I mean, in a sense, because it's like I have my best friends, my my biggest fans tell me, you know, one of the, you know, I love listening as a musician, as an, as this, this, and the other, and I'm like, I don't feel like a musician, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I feel like a poet, maybe, or an artist or a performer, but for a rapper, I mean, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? As I'm saying, people tell me, no, don't do that to yourself. I'm over here like, well, I don't play an instrument, so it's like, how do I call myself a musician, you know? Yeah. I've, Going back to the cheating thing, you but know? But I, I love the analogies we're coming up here, because I was just thinking, like, it's almost like I made the most ooey-gooey best brownie in the world, and someone's like, you didn't invent brownies, you're not a baker, you're not a chef, that doesn't count. And it's like, no, I am. Like, oh, you just tweaked this recipe. Nobody else did it, you know? So it's right. like, what? Nobody else did that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... That's just the one thing. If any, I mean, like I said, I interview a lot of people who just play instruments and are only in bands and things like that. That's kind of the primary goal of this podcast. So if anybody's listening to this blindly and they're just like, "That's cheating," no, it's not. It's not cheating. This is just the. It's just the way it is. Like, and if you're saying this is cheating, then you might as well just delete all of rap out of history altogether and well, just write it off and just chuck it into no, the like sun. No, I mean, that's going not, back to whether it's the brownies or the go kart or the rapper. I mean, I'd say like this: make the brownies the way they made them. Yeah. yeah, if it's cheating, then go ahead and make them the same brownies. You know, yeah. if, right. if if if, if this rapping's <laughs> right, if this rapping's cheating, then like go go ahead and spit my verse for me real quick. Tell exactly. me how tell me how you can do that. And then like you got your breath control in pattern. Oh, you can jump up and down and keep your 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 breath in check. Oh, you can do that. Is, then let me know. Yeah, you know is, what I mean? Because like it's those kind of, of things. How you're saying things the same? You know, do you have your you enunciation come the on same point? Attitude, is your you know? syllable count so accurate that your your pattern is? inevitably perfect no matter what tempo you want to rap it to yeah like, that kind of shit i don't think people realize like i i write in such a way that my syllables you could throw any tempo at me i could rap the same 16 bar verse to you over any tempo don't be wrong i might struggle once we get to like double time speed yeah but like i i do my syllables in such a way in such a mathematical way in my you know in my in my writing format that i can put it anywhere at any time because the syllables hit to your measurements the way they should you know what i mean and that's that's a good point. Here's another thing. Like uh, when I when I kind of dabbled in rap here and there, a lot of people are just like, well, you know, this guy's not a good rapper, blah, blah, whatever. I like Tech 9 just for the simple fact, exactly like you said, that guy can oh. pan together different syllables and different beats with just his words in such a fashion where it's like, oh, it's I, don't know people that could, I don't know people that could do this on an instrument, let alone with just their voice. Right. And, then, and then combining lyrics that'll actually come out in the same way he yeah. does. I mean, if you want to think about it, it's like, well, we're doing all 16th here. And then all of a sudden it just breaks down into some triplets. And then it's into eighth notes and sixteenths. Then he's like meshing it all together in some way. And he's and got like, he's got lines that are holding like quadruple well, quadruple entendres in the midst of saying something conscious. Right. Like not yeah. only are you hitting uh, rhyming patterns that hit in such a way, but then your metaphor turns around with like, oh, he actually brought up. Uh, road here, but then talked about two lines in the middle of a street here, mm -hmm. and then talking about doing snorting cocaine on the third line, and then the fourth line, he's talking about finding your path the right direction around a straight road. Yep. Like, you just, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's just, when you when you start thinking about lyrics that way, mm -hmm. that's where I become an obsessive kind of, like, nut. Yeah. Where I'm like, I look at lyrics in such a obsessive way that, you know, that's why the the greats like Tech and Eminem and the Jay-Zs and the KRS-1s and mm -hmm. the Hymns are so amazing to me because they were able to put they were able to rhyme and use their their patterns in such a way that 
is such a lost art and, and, and goes so under the radar a lot of the times. You know, it's all about how can you bob your head and feel to this song, you know, a lot of times. And don't be wrong, I get down with that too, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lover of, of the true art of hip-hop, and that's the lyrical ability you, behind it. You brought up another good point. Like with Tech 9 that's a lot of people, if they know what Tech 9 is, they're just like, oh, you listen to drug rap. And it's like, well, if you actually listen to what he's saying, there's a lot of really deep stuff. Like, there's future would be drug rap, if you yeah, ask me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... But it's just one of those things where it's it's a lot deeper than just the face value, and that's Absolutely. what a lot of people only look at it as face value, and they're like, "Ah, this sucks," you know. And it's like, but, but that's why he's a lyrics. genius too, is because he said, "Watch me give you all this conscious substance, and then I'll do it in such a a rhythmic way that even if you don't hear what I'm saying, what you hear is impressive." Exactly. And so, and that's that's just a that's just a genius level of thinking, you know yep. what I mean? Like that's just taking it a step further and being like, "Okay," because I'm over here, I'm still striving to get there, you know. So I might give you something that says, "Oh, wow, that." That flow was insane. And then this song says, wow, that topic was touching. I don't know how to combine them yet, but we'll yep. get there, you know? <laughs> I mean, even thinking about, like, Eminem, probably one of the most palatable, you know, rappers to, you know, white kids in the Midwest like us or whatever. It was, you think about that, he's written songs where it's just like, this is complete non... Like, when he was doing the uh, Machine Gun Kelly, when they were doing the, the battle rapping. Yeah, and they, then all of a sudden, he just, he wrote one that literally didn't make any sense. He just rhymed nonsense words with nonsense junk. And it Tell was, him? Yeah. Well, let's see. Okay. And that's where he's like... Part you want to open up another 10-minute conversation? <laughs> no, that's where he's, That's where I you think know? he's kind of genius about that, where it's just like, I can rap about stuff, and it sounds cool, and it's like not even a, really about anything, well, honestly. And then the fact that you even approach it like that is so awesome to me, because it's like, that was the main... I think overtake of, of his comeback to that mm -hmm. is exactly what you just expressed to me. But what's crazy is when you really break down each one of those bars line for line is he, he came back at MGK with such an elaborate in depth analogies and like metaphors that it's like, Oh dude, you were shit on him in such a personal level that the world couldn't even understand mm -hmm. because they, first of all, couldn't even hear quick enough. And second of all, don't even know probably the ins and outs of the beef enough to understand what you're really saying yeah. about, you know, which is what, but that's why people say Kells won is because MGK came on the other end and said, I'm giving you nothing complex. Why do you wear sweatpants every day? Your beard's fucking weird. We're not used to that Eminem. <laughs> like he came with shit that was like, of the whole world's going to say, okay, I rock with that. Right, it makes sense. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so and, generic and easy to see on face value only that people exactly. are just like, Oh, I get this, exactly. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, they won though. They both won because we're over here talking about it. Bingo, yeah. You know, I mean, so. that's that's honestly what it is. Time to time for you to start battle rapping with people from across town, Fort Dodge. Then, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just too humble for it, man. I'm just too humble for. It. I got too much love for everybody. You know, just, even if, even if I tried to fake a beef. They'd call me on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've done that in our band, too, where it's like, let's start an internet beef with another band, and then we'll just see what happens, you know? And, I mean, we stole that idea from a couple Chicago bands that did it, and they would... It's, it's a clout move, it, you know? Yeah. It is, you know? Yeah. And it's and then we would... It's like, well, now let's book a show together, and we'll call it, you know, the Battle of, of the Two Greats exactly. or something, you know, or whatever, yeah. and, and make people choose, even though no one's going to choose and nobody cares. But right. it's still, like, it's still one of those deals where it's like, let's try something new like this, so... The struggle. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's... And that's another thing where I, you know, if any, I'm just throwing this out there. If anybody sees three finger betting the shit kickers, you know, bad talking each other online, uh, that's the whole basis behind any of that stuff. It's still kind of going on. I'm trying to squash it all now because nobody understands. No, they hate on. each other. You know, hype it up. Yeah. Hype it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing though. Is like if people don't know what you're doing, then it's just like they'll look at it and be like, "Man, these guys are dicks." Because they're, they're just kind of looking at sideways. Yeah. Like, like, what? So much hate on their platform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These guys are just hating each other. This is no, just you're mean, right. You know. <laughs> that's when you got to level. Like, where's your thinking at compared to where's your grind 
really stand at, you yep, know? Yep. You know? Yeah, where are you actually aiming for something or you just doing something just to do it, you know? Too? And also, it's a lot of trial and error where we come. We're in the Midwest shooting our shot every time we try a new method. So mm-hmm. it's really like, does this one work? Does this one work? Does this, oh, this one worked for some reason. I don't even get it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? There's like, a lot of that <laughs> that goes on, too, man. I mean, you know? It's crazy. I, I do have, like, I mean, we're I already got an hour covered in here. And I, uh, I did have one other thing to like, give a shout out. Um, Jesse had Cal, uh, and I think it's Anderson is that his last name. Yep, Cal uh, Anderson, yeah. Uh, he did some, you know, rapping on one of Jesse's first singles that he ever put out as a country artist. You know, Jesse yeah. Wilson. So uh, the song was "Come Back Home," and that's how I kind of, you know, got introduced to Cal. And then I found out that you got a song called "Story to Tell." It's a single, and that's got Cal on it as well. So it's like, oh, this is Absolutely. cool. It's like. I'm starting to see like this big the full circle. The full, yeah, it's all yeah, coming yeah. full circle all the way back around. It's really so, kind of neat. Yeah, no, and me and Cal have, um, I mean, to be honest, uh, me and Cal both been writing kind of side by side since like fifth grade, to, to be honest with you. We've known each other for that long and kind of went our separate ways, had, had a different uh, peer environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we weren't really in the same clique growing up. But as we've grown older, um, we actually started an album together, which is where that st- that single story to tell comes from is uh, the birth of an album at the birth of COVID. Uh, we were, we have, we not, not were or are making, we have a whole album based on quarantining, mm-hmm. just sitting right now and we're not doing anything with it. And I decided to release story to tell, you know, going off that. And yeah, so, I mean, Cal, Definitely works hard and worked alongside Jesse Wilson. Introduced me to Jesse actually, and um, Jesse reached out to me recently uh, around the same time you know, a little bit before you did with uh, a single that Jesse and I have coming out that I won't give too much information on, but it's a song for the it's a song for the Dodge and it hits it hits home to at least me and everyone I've showed it to, so I'm sure it's gonna hit home to a lot of people. Yeah, um, I mean, let's also touch back on the fact on your YouTube channels you can find you can find story to tell the single. There's a video with it. It's on YouTube as well as uh, let's well, not see story to tell. There's not a video to story to tell. There's uh, all all day all day. Yeah, that's the one I was that's say the one less, I watched. And then Ethan King was straight outrageous that just dropped on April first. I'm gonna have to um, check that out. I might have I might have overlooked that one. It just so. dropped. It just <laughs> Ethan says it's the best. It's hot fire. The best. It is. It is. Let's just say Late Street is definitely moving on to uh, trying to step the game up for when it comes to Iowa hip hop and what's going on. We're trying to set the game up and I think doing a pretty damn good job of it. We got Havoc the Attic behind the camera on these videos coming up. And on the topic of videos, I just want to announce along with the shows we talked about May 30th, we will be shooting a music video. Um, for a solo song of mine that's 100% for the city so I'm gonna need y'all to really ride heavy for that one that'll be a good time nice yeah and all these music videos can be found on your YouTube channel James Tyler well they can be found on James Tyler Music YouTube or they can be found at Ethan Kane on YouTube um, oh snap so but to be honest you look up any page whether it's Late Street Ethan Kane Music or James Tyler Music we are all linked all our pages are linked together so where you can find one of us you can find all of us nice that's we, a good way to do it we man. try to make it easy I mean yep it's dummy proof. Our marketing is dummy proof. I make sure of it. Yeah. So <laughs> one door you open, there's three over here that will take you back to this one. Yeah, right. that's right. That, that's a good way of putting it, though. Like you know, just you just it's almost like one of those things where, like you said, as, as soon as you open, it's like, oh, what what's over here? And it's like, oh, it's also over there, over here. I didn't know it was over here. And then you get over to this other channel, and you're like, there's other stuff here I didn't even know about. Right. So you start. And if you dig deep enough, I mean, you you can find music from ours that go all the way back to 2011, 2010, 2009. Like we have, oh God, and it's still cool. is, it's still on. YouTube and it's still linked to our channels, but we make the other stuff a little bit harder to find on purpose. 
because it's not the proudest things we want to go show, but we leave them out there because it's, it's our growth. It's yeah. all part of who we are. Exactly. So, well, that's the know. other thing is you don't want to just take it down. You actually like put the work in to do it, but you also right. you also want your best stuff to be to out be there front, front and center. center. Yep. Absolutely. So Absolutely. for anybody that's like, I don't want to go search it online. It's too hard to search for stuff. Uh, scroll in the description sections. I'll have links down below. Just start clicking them and like, subscribe, share, retweet, poke, that's right. um, that's right. all, the, all the other stuff. So. Uh, we got over an hour covered in here, and I think we we got everything that I wrote down. Uh, you want to give your website another shout out just to make sure yeah, we got that covered? Yeah, just to round it all about, uh, we just launched a new website. Um, we got Ethan Kane, James Tower, co owners of Deuce Block Clothing, and it's deuceblockclothing.com, D E U C E B L O C K clothing at dot com yeah so <laughs> the link's down below once again if you're too lazy to, to type it in it's the link's down below so that's I'm, i'll put it down there it doesn't matter where you're listening to this it's in the description section so uh what kind of awesome. stuff can they find there uh at deuce block clothing you can find our latest merchandise from lay street you can find the deuce block series which will change by the season and right now we're doing the baseball dirty uh, royal series so that that's really cool um you can find some shot glasses which are a limited time will not be there forever there's only 36 of them to grab and they're going quick already um so yeah i mean we got some lay street merch and then from there you can find the links to ethan kane anywhere you want to find them you can find links to lay street anywhere you want to find us and you can find links to james tyler anywhere you want to find me so pretty much the dot com is the one-stop shop to get anything and everything local hip-hop lay street ethan kane James right. Tyler. That link is going to be on the top then. So if anybody wants to find it, that's where you got to go. Otherwise, otherwise, if you're specifically looking for something, just scroll down farther and click a different link. But if yep. go go to the website, that's where everything goes to. Um, you know, I've got a really basic website for Audible Farm, but I found it actually works out really well. You it, know, it's it's a great um, tool. I mine's only a single page. I used a free builder. I I didn't want to pay any extra money. I just all I did was pay for the domain and use the free builder that was available to me, and I was just yeah. like, well, you know, it should be good enough. And actually, it, it, it is works good enough. Pretty, as, it works it's pretty good well. Enough, you know. <laughs> Exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. If I told you the truth about the website that I built for us, like mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing I did was the meta description. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. was the hardest thing I did. That was because it took studying to be like, let's get us to get at the top of Google search. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. And that's probably the hardest thing yeah. I had to do for that website. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know? it's it's tough. I'll say that. I mean, I, I went to school for that originally like 15 years ago and I, I, I didn't finish school then, but I went back and finished school, whatever. Right. Th thanks, mom, for sending me back to school. <laughs> thanks, but, mom. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, if bands, if you get one on a website, it really doesn't cost a ton of money. You know, no. I, mean, I mean, let's just, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Like maybe a hundred bucks a year if you want to spend a lot of money. I'll tell you what, if you want to, if you don't, you if know, you really want to just like start the, start the process of like legitimizing your, your business or your brand. I fucked it up. I know I did. If you want to start making your brand or or, or anything a little more official, then then all you need to do, I mean, not excuse me. I fucked you. Just fucking y'all. It's all right. Basically, but no, it's really not that much. But it is like it is. You know, I mean, what we spent probably about two or three grand in the past few months on just making everything as official as we possibly can, mm -hmm. paying for our subscriptions, paying for our domain names, and all that. You know what I mean? Like it is. A, it's, it's a couple grand startup if if you do it to the full ins and outs. Yep. But even if you, I mean, it's, it goes back to the, what we talked about consistently. And this is what level are you trying to take it to? You exactly. know what I mean? What are you really standing with it? Because you can spend, like you said, two hundred bucks. A year can get you a excuse me a, do, a, do, a domain name, 
and a platform of which you want to do whatever you're doing on. Mm-hmm. Like you can do that with 200 bucks. Oh yeah, easy as pie. I mean, I I, I own two domains for Audible Farm because I was gonna I was originally gonna do like you know go whole hog on it, and then I was just right. like, man, I'm not making any money on this, so I was like, ah, it's kind of not worth it to you know. Well, what you put in is what you get back, and we we all we all know that saying. But yep. I'll tell you what, I think it smacked us both in the face this past few months harder than ever is. Like I said, we put in a few grand in the past few months into into this business, and I'm not gonna give any numbers away, but let's just say Lake Street's sitting all right. Yeah, you I mean, know what I mean. And it's 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 a good feeling. It's like okay, wow, we really do have to invest to make. But like we waited, once you do, you know, we waited ten years, waited like ten years trying to to put it all together and thinking we were marketing ourselves right and doing this whole thing right, but putting money in smaller smaller sums of money in the wrong places to now where we put the money in the right place and actually are seeing a return come back to us like wow well, we really were doing this wrong for so long wrong for a long a time a long time you know that comes back to if if you if you look professional if you act professional if you want to do it you got to be professional you can't just that's right and nothing against like you can't just have like some paint shop i mean like that's where i come in like i've i paid for the logo for audible farm why because i wanted it to look good i right. could i could have made one but it would have looked like garbage and people wouldn't have taken it would have looked serious. like you made one yeah exactly right. microsoft paint can only do so much yeah, you know i'm not yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that you know but that's the other deal is like pay an artist to make your make your art if you can't make art please pay an artist you know well, or, pay or, an artist and it's great to outsource anyway i mean when, when you network I was just going to say, when you network and you outsource for your artwork and, and any kind of help like that, not only are you putting your brand and your name within the hands of somebody else who is going to naturally take it five to 10 to 20 people further than you could have. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just network at the end of the day and you're building relationships and relationships are important. I'll tell you what, we've built relationships in our, in our time doing this. King Iso, who we're opening up for in Des Moines, right? We, we just five years ago when he, I want to put his information on blast but let's just say five years ago we were both we were on the same platform opening up at the same venues right next to each other hanging out smoking and drinking in the parking lot yep you know and 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 that networking that relationship we kind of just let dwindle away but it just goes to show where it's like you never really know what just you just you gotta you gotta network with people you gotta stay in touch with people not only to benefit yourself but just to you never know where things are gonna go and you never know what life has in store and, and, the, and the more you just sit here and kind of stay in yourself and cocoon up you're always you know you're always at the bottom of the list at that point dude it does help i mean that's something i i've i know i'm not the only podcast game doing what i'm doing in iowa but the other thing is i reached out to those guys and said hey you know i like what you're doing check my stuff out and then we started talking about each other i got links to them on the bottom of my website so yeah. if anybody likes what i got going on they can go find some other stuff what's going on you know and i had somebody from uh you know, the Des Moines Music Coalition hit me up and they said, do you know anything about this band from the 90s? And I was like, no, I don't. But I, I mean, I know some places where I could search around and find right, it. Right. And the weirdest part about it was it was like some band from Southern California. They're like, well, when we were kids, we saw this band when we were in Iowa huh. and we want to find their album. So I searched and searched and searched. And sure enough, on on the Iowa basement tapes, I found I found a copy of it. the album, you know, and the band is all defunct. And, and he got the permission to put it up there for free. So That's it was like, awesome. and they were like, oh, we want to find the CD. It's like, well, it's right here. You can just download the whole thing and it's yeah. free. And the band is giving it away now because it's it's, well, yeah. it's 30 years old and and you know, nobody cares about, anymore so, so that's the crazy thing about streaming now more than ever is as a big point i've been making to him too is that we could be putting all this work right now right mm-hmm. five years from now it didn't pay off we wrap it up right but then let's say 15 15 years from now all of a sudden they find late street because mm-hmm. it's it's always going to be this thing about the, the media streaming it's always going to be there and it's like you never really know 
Like we could all we could be fifty years old before Laystreet all of a sudden makes like all the world loves it for some reason. Yeah, like, someone they, starts someone, remixing your stuff. Someone found it. Yeah, yeah, you know it's. But that's I think that's something I think every starving artist needs to keep in mind right now in this mm-hmm. day and age is. What you make now is like, like, do take the time. If if you're serious about it in any sense, do take the time to brand it right, craft it right, mix it right, get a quality product. Take that time because even if you're just doing it for the love of it, spur of the moment or long term, you never know when or what song it's going to be or when that song is really going to take traction. That's true. That's 100% true. You have to just, yeah, it's all part of the process. And we could keep talking forever, man. I know yeah. we got to start wrapping this up. Yeah. I mean, this this is actually really good because if we got any extra stuff we want to talk about, we can talk more. And, uh, you know, I've been sitting down here today with James Tyler. Ethan Kane kind of came in about halfway through. So uh, maybe I'll sit down with Ethan Kane, do a podcast, and James Tyler will Needs come in happen. halfway through and sit down. And, Needs and, to happen. But, I mean, this is actually pretty cool to have Ethan here and be like, it's almost like the Andy Dick to the Conan. Ryan, you know, yeah, or, no, or I mean, Andy, Andy straight up, I, Ryan, I, I, I'm over here building the foundation, and this is the architect, you know what I mean? I, I make the bones work, and he makes that shit look flareful and good, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it takes two, baby, you know? So, yeah, I gotta say know. thanks to both of you guys for joining me on the podcast. Uh, check Thank out all you. the links down below, appreciate it. I'm gonna hand the mic over here real quick. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. No, thank you. Oh, baby. Uh, I was really glad that we actually got to sit down with James Tyler. Uh, we, you know, I, like I said, I play some music with Jesse Wilson, and uh, James is, I'm teasing this out there again, James is going to be, you know, on one of his singles that's hopefully coming out here pretty soon. So we'll check that out. If you're looking for all of the Late Street music information, go down below and click on the links. There's some nicely organized links to their website, as well as the link trees for each individual Uh, for not just James, but also for Ethan Kane. So check it out. James Tyler and Ethan Kane of Late Street. Uh, I had a great time sitting down talking with these guys. They're working hard. James is putting in a lot of crazy hours and and time into the stuff that a lot of people don't think about when they think about, you know, making music. He's he's putting in that behind-the-scenes work, and that's that's something that's pretty important, quite honestly. Um, I think we could all do a little bit better job of that. And I mean, I bet even James would say, you know, he could probably do a better job at it. But he's grinding away and he's doing it. And that's one of the coolest parts about sitting out and talking with these guys is finding out exactly how much work is being put on behind the scenes in order to make the music, uh, you know, get it to people's ears and things like that. So hats off to James for doing all that hard work. And uh, also hats off to Ethan for jumping in about halfway through the podcast and, and giving us a few quips and a little, you know, little bits of stuff here and there. It's fun when people do that kind of stuff, you know, and I, I was a little worried because I only had two mics and a little portable setup for this, but we actually made it work pretty well. Uh, I listened back to uh, some of the audio and it actually it actually flowed pretty well. So I'm happy that we got to sit down and talk with both of those guys. I'm glad, uh, you know, they sat down and made a time work for me too because it's not always easy to find people that are willing to take the time out of their day to sit down and talk with me. So every time somebody does, I'm really, really happy. And I hope you guys as the listeners are also happy that we got this one done because... Uh, you know, like I said, there's a couple fun guys that are doing a lot of work, quite honestly. Uh, I got one of their cool Late Street shirts. Uh, these puppies are soft. These puppies are awesome. So check those out, too. The merch is all available. You can just scroll down and click on the links in the in the description section and find, you know, places to go find the merch and everything else. Uh, I got to see their hoodies. Their hoodies are amazingly soft as well. They're not just your average everyday hoodie. So if you guys are looking for merch for, you know, bands and things like that, Hit up Late Street. They got some crazy, crazy stuff going on. And uh, like I said, they're working really hard. So hats off to those guys for putting in all of that. Like I said, the behind the scenes work. It's it's not always easy. And it's kind of like 
the boring part maybe of doing music, but they're doing it, and uh, once again, hats off to them for doing it. If merch is your thing, and you've already got your Late Street shirt, go to audiblefarm.com or shop.audiblefarm.com, and you can find yourself some Audible Farm merch. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts. The hoodies are running low, uh, but I do have a pretty decent stack of t-shirts hanging out over here. So if anybody's looking for t-shirts, we've got those as well. There's also stickers. If you're a sticker fiend, we got stickers uh, till who laid the rail. So if you guys are looking for stickers, hit us up, buy some stickers. And uh, if non-monetary support is something that's more your style, then uh, go to YouTube and click like, you know, and, you know, subscribe to the channel, like the Facebook page, share it. Uh, That's some of the easiest, best ways you can support somebody non-monetarily. Um, don't do it. Don't just do it for me. Do it for all the guests that I have on the podcast. Share the episodes. Share their information. Share their stuff. Uh, you know, it makes me feel really good every time I see somebody sharing some of this stuff. So I appreciate it. There's been a lot of people hopping over and, and subscribing to the YouTube channel lately. So I got to say thanks once again for that. I really appreciate that. There's all sorts of goofy stuff over there on the YouTube channel. We've got the audio versions of this. We've also got little video clips. There's also, you know, other types of stuff that like live band videos that I've recorded over the years and things like that all over on the YouTube channel. So check it out. If you're looking for full video versions of the podcast, they're available on Patreon, patreon.com slash audible farm. It only costs a dollar a month. So if you guys are looking for video versions of this and you're looking to pitch me a dollar, that's it's that easy dollar a month. It's 12 bucks a year. You're going to get about 50 episodes. I mean, each episode is going to cost you about a quarter. So that's a, not too much in my opinion if you're looking to do a little monetary support otherwise like i said just like subscribe and share and that's the easiest thing you can do to you know pass the buck along and i really appreciate everything that everybody's doing all the listening you're doing all the people buying the merch all the people saying something to me at the you know shows i go to like you're that podcast guy and it's like yeah i am that podcast guy so uh i appreciate it i appreciate all the notoriety i'm getting so thank you guys very much for all that I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Be sh- like, once again, I just got to say thanks again to James Tyler and uh, and even Ethan Kane for popping in about halfway through the episode. It was tons of fun to sit down and talk with you guys. Uh, check out Late Street's links down below. And uh, if you scroll down even farther, you can check out the Audible Farm links. I'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Hope you guys enjoy it. Peace.